ignition sequence start. Three, two, one. Lock and load. It's time for the gun rack with your hosts, Joey and Drew. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gun Racks and Orange Desert Institute School of Firearms Technology's official podcast. I'm Josiah Upper. Folks call me Joey, and with me we have one Drew Poplin. Drew Poplin. How are you doing? Oh, I am doing all right. I don't know how bad it is where you're at, but uh, I mean, regardless, this this is bad for North Carolina. How cold it's been lately? It's been miserable. I was driving back from the coast uh, about two nights ago, and when we got into the apartment complex with the windshield, it was like negative ten. Which I know probably like our Midwest listeners right now are sort of rolling their eyes. their eyes into their heads. But yes, yeah. For for us, that is insane. We're in the southeast, right? We're in North Carolina. Yeah, we had a similar issue, not yesterday, but the day before. So Tuesday, I came into work and it was 17 degrees and the wind chill was about 10 degrees less than that, something like that, mm-hmm. um, which for central North Carolina is horrifying. We only get a couple of days like that a year, but I wore... The cool thing here, and my Southeast listeners will understand, because the Southeast listeners for us are going to be outdoorsy folks, mostly. Mm-hmm. When I lived up in Massachusetts, thermal clothing, like an underlayer of thermal clothing, was a given, right? Every human being was wearing it from like November to April. You just did it. Um here you don't know about thermal clothing unless you are outdoorsy that's not it's like floridians having one coat it's not a thing you do unless it it you have a specific occurrence for it to be needed so it can be 20 degrees out and i'm not even wearing a coat but i'm wearing four layers and it's like let's go this is Uh this works but i also on monday didn't realize how brutal it would be and i came out just wearing a flannel and like jeans and I don't remember the last time I was that cold. Um, it was bad. That was probably a long walk to the office. It was not good. And the parking lot was full. So it was a like Ooh. there was probably 100 yards of walking involved. Uh-huh. Um, and what's crazy is that so part of the team here is doing training right now. Mm-hmm. And the building was they're doing training, the heat broke. So they and they've blown out fuses over and over again, trying to get space heaters up in there. And uh, so there's a team of, uh, I don't know, 30 odd people right now just freezing their asses off, uh, trying to get through some curriculum for the rest of the year. Uh-huh. So shout out to them poor folks. But yeah, I cannot. Every year I subtly pitch to chapel that we should move to Florida and every time she's like, that's funny. And I'm like, it wasn't supposed to be. Um, <laughs> that's a thing I'd like to do. But one day. Well, then you'd have to worry about hurricanes and flooding a lot more. I would. But you know what? That's okay. That's I a trade-off like you're willing to take. I own two aquariums. <laughs> um, and to be uh, fair, you have to worry about flooding at your house anyway. 
Uh, a little bit. The backyard, dear God, you've been there yeah. at a bonfire post-rain. It's a swamp. I have moved to the fire pit, though, so it's a little less so now. Oh, that's nice. Um, yeah, before it was not very strategically placed, but we're we're a little better shape now than we were then. Good, good, good. Anyway, good. yeah. Um, so we have a topic of conversation for you guys today that was not on our content schedule, but it kind of popped up organically the last time we talked. So we're going to hop into it. But before we do that, let's take a minute and talk about our sponsor, Hosts and Glorious Leaders, SDI. Drew, what can you tell me about Sonoran Desert Institute? Well, I can tell you that Sonoran Desert Institute, otherwise known as SDI, is an online school. And they help students learn the skills and techniques that they'll need to be successful in the firearms and unmanned technology industries. SDI is accredited. They're accredited by the Distance Education Accrediting Commission, the DEAC. And currently, SDI offers three programs in firearms technology. Offer the Associate of Science in Firearms Technology, the Certificate in Firearms Technology Gunsmithing, and finally, the Certificate in Firearms Technology Handgun Specialist Program, which is relatively new for us. So that's exciting. But if you want more info about any of these three programs, please head to our website. It's www.sdi.edu. Got a great wealth of information on that website. So uh, yeah, definitely go check it out. And as Joey mentioned, you know, it kind of popped up in conversation last week as we were reviewing uh, some of the new handguns from last year. And uh, well, we just couldn't wait any longer. We needed to see what Joey's beef with the snub nose revolver is. Joey, the, the yeah. floor is yours, man. Okay, it's time to go to war, people, and I'll tell you why. The Snubnose Revolver had a place in firearms history, especially over the course of the 20th century, as being a handy, reliable resource for concealed carry defense and for... I mean, really, that's that's it. That's the main thing. Um, it's, you get uh, law enforcement officials would carry them a fair amount. But when you thought concealed carry and you thought a compact firearm, you thought snub nose revolver. That is a firearm that was used because we had to use it. And I do not believe that it has any place in the modern pantheon of of. Uh, I won't say viable because it's still a firearm that works, but uh, efficient, effective firearms that should be making their way into everyone's collections. There's a lot of reasons for this. And some of the things that are frustrating about it, we've we've already unpacked, but I'll do it again here so you don't have to be flipping back and forth between episodes. Who are firearm, uh, excuse me, snub nose revolvers normally pitched to? Uh, they're normally pitched to new shooters and women. Um, Snubnose revolvers generally have a barrel of two inches, more or less, and uh, they are pitched to people. Uh, I heard a family member, who I'm not going to name, <laughs> who knows better, recently was looking for a, a concealed carry option. He was picking my brain for concealed carry options for his wife. And he said, I want something that she can... You basically eliminate the thought process too. You can pull it out and it's ready to fire. It's reliable and you can just 
aim down and pull the trigger in the event of some sort of life or death self-defense situation. And his answer for that was a snub-nosed revolver. And that's the issue, right? They're marketed to women because there is this odd prevailing theory that, at least in conversations I've heard in gun shops, uh, all them big box stores and local gun shops, used and new firearms, um, folks I've just had casual conversations with, uh, that women need to have firearms that are idiot-proof because they're not used to them. First of all, uh, folks, I'm not exactly a champion of liberalism, and this is not a political podcast, but it's 2024, for God's sake. That is just not a mentality we need to be having if we want to uh, diversify the community of firearms owners and users, and we need to diversify if we would like our rights to be protected um, and our industry to thrive. Just same rule as the hunting industry. That's thing one. Thing two, maybe we don't assume women are idiots. Um, and maybe we don't assume that they need things so reduced in their brains that we pull things out of a bag and then start pulling the trigger. And then maybe even if we have to do that, every other striker fire firearm on the planet has some sort of capability of not having a manual safety. The every like Glock MMP, I know there were manual safety MMPs. That's obviously not what I'm talking about here. Uh, XDs, I know they're not popular, but you get what I'm talking about. SIG P320, SIG P365. There are so many options that involve pulling a firearm out and then pulling the trigger and things going bang without, op excuse me, without operating some sort of manual safety. If that is the reason you're proposing this thing, your knowledge of firearm technology expired in like 1980. And the guy that I was talking to in this particular example I mentioned was 12 in 1980. So I don't think that's what happened. Hmm. Um, I think there is a narrative that's being perpetuated that snub nose revolvers equals four women. That's insane for some reasons we're going to go through down the line. Um, it's not just women, though. New shooters get this all the time. Uh, the pink camo stuff, covering revolvers, is just, it's its baffling and is mind-boggling. Especially since, yes, uh, Ruger does the LCR. Horus has some of those revolvers. But a lot of these things are being pitched are Smith & Wesson, and that is a significant investment. Uh, financially speaking, uh, into that firearm for a newbie. That's the other group here that I mentioned women, new shooters in general, get this recommendation all the time. Uh, investing in a Smith & Wesson, while, yeah, worth it, Smith & Wesson rocks. We were talking about investing significant financial assets into a firearm that you are probably not ready for when the difference in investment between a snub-nose Smith & Wesson and a entry-level firearm that's still of good quality, the difference in price is significant enough that you could buy training with that difference and really make a difference down the road. That's a big deal, people. Now, okay, those are the people it's frequently pitched to. And here are the reasons why that doesn't make a lot of sense. We're going to go through that first. And then second, I'm going to try to make an argument here about why the 
stem nose revolver doesn't have a place in, as I said before, not unviable because it's still a functional firearm, but it's not efficient for the job it's trying to get done. So we're going to talk about what that job might be and then some reasons why it's not going to check out on that level. Okay, so for new shooters, here are the issues. And this these aren't just for new shooters. You go to any class, you pull out a snub nose revolver, no matter what level you're at, the instructor is going to give you raised eyebrows uh, because they know better. And uh, so here are three reasons that that's not going to be the wisest choice. One is going to be pretty self-explanatory. Uh, if you have a short barrel and you have a light firearm and you have a heavy cartridge, you're going to have significant recoil. Mm -hmm. That is going to be a poppy firearm. Um, it's going to snap in your hand. It's going to be difficult to mitigate. Um, you're going to have a lot more perceived recoil compared to larger handguns. This is not only challenging for uh, women shooters who might have smaller hands uh, or just a smaller build in general, but new shooters, period. Um especially shooters with limited hand strength and uh, it makes it a lot more difficult to control i think there's also the... like a psychological element to that too like not just yeah. physiological but like you know if you're shooting a gun for the first time and there's like a massive recoil on this thing yeah you know, what you are your like chances the firearms of... getting away from you which yeah. is terrifying right I've seen people shoot something similar where uh, one person shot a compact 1911 as their first thing. I actually have a compact 1911. I love it. But for your first firearm ever to shoot, maybe not the right call. And it freaked the hell out of them for that very reason. They felt like it was just escaping. Um, now, part of that is down to grip, and there's plenty of things to correct there, as I'm sure you guys have running through your head right now. And that's all valid, and that's all good. Totally makes sense. But there is still something to be said for a more forgivable platform to make that work in. That's thing one. Uh, kind of tied to that is going to be accuracy challenges in general. When we're talking about a short barrel, we're talking about a shorter sight radius. Um, sight radius, you can translate as margin of error uh, to a certain extent, which can make them more challenging to shoot accurately, especially for your beginners, but for anyone. Truly, I do not shoot firearms anymore that are less than 3.1 inches long in the barrel. And even that's pretty short, as I'm sure you guys know. But I got to a point where I was like, okay, I am an intermediate level shooter. And even then, kind of the lower end of intermediate. Let's master what, like, let's not handicap ourselves as we try to get better and more effective at what we do. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to get into the compact handgun space, I would counter even. There are a lot of very effective firearm options for concealed carry that are right around the 3.9 to 4-inch, excuse me, 4-inch barrel length uh, area. That'll do you just fine. So accuracy challenges are real. If you're in a place where you are learning sight alignment still and how to snap to that, you're still kind of chasing it when you pull your firearm up. There's no judgment in any of this. Everyone goes through it. It's okay, but you don't want to be doing that and you feel like you have things aligned, but because they weren't perfectly aligned, your, fire, your shots are going all over the place. Mm -hmm. But why do that to yourself? 
uh, when there are other options around. If it's early 20th century and there are no other options around, yeah, okay. Um, but you better be close in to whatever your target is going to be or you are going to be in trouble. Um, so we got that. Next is going to be trigger pull. A lot, not all, admittedly, of your snub-nosed revolvers are going to be, they're going to be hammerless. They're going to have a double action trigger, mm -hmm. which requires a lot more for, excuse me, a lot more force to pull than your single action triggers. Double action trigger is both setting and then releasing, right? If you have a single action trigger, your hammer is back and then you are, uh, you're simply letting it go. I am grossly oversimplifying, but I think you guys are with me on that. Um, in the heavier trigger pull and much longer travel time and distance can be really challenging for shooters. Uh, if you have less hand strength, if you have less dexterity, if you simply are not comfortable pulling a trigger and squeezing a trigger, yes, I know, but you get the idea. It does kind of turn the squeeze into a pull. And uh, that pulling a trigger, as you guys know, is the quickest way to absolutely uh, screw up your day and, and start missing. So if you want something smooth and simple, you want something that is capable of single action or at least a, uh, a calm take up. And a double action revolver is not going to have that, which can seriously impact accuracy for your inexperienced shooters. It can also do it for experienced shooters. I don't shoot double action revolvers if I can help it. I've got one single action, double action combo, and I pull that hammer back every time I shoot it. And I practice pulling it back when I go shooting because I want that level of crisp trigger pull. And I don't want to have to think about uh, travel time in the event that I have to pull that trigger quickly or if I have to shoot accurately, because that is actually a firearm uh, when it's legal. Uh, and there's a very specific season for that. I go hunting. Okay, so those are the big ones for your beginners. And these, I think, are a little more, a little more general appeal. Okay. First one is going to tie into this first three. Uh, and so with recoil management, dealing with accuracy, even your trigger bolt a little bit, but the first two especially, uh, snub-nosed revolvers are going to discourage you from regularly practicing with them to shoot effectively. If you are just fixated on making it happen, yeah, you can make it work. But it's like being a quarterback who has not figured out how not to get sacked yet. Um, it's the you're just going to associate shooting with pain and missing things, <laughs> and that's that's not good. And while if you are a shooter who's been shooting snub nose revolvers for the past forty years, and that's what you know, and that's what you love, that's cool. But if you are an experienced shooter who's trying to break into it. I think you're going to have a hard time not drifting back to your four inch barrel or even three and a half inch barrel compact firearm that you could also use for concealed carry. That's a lot more comfortable in the hand, uh, which actually goes to the next point, but I'll, I'll cover that in a second. Comfortable in the hand, but comfortable downrange in the snap uh, and the recoil. Um, I think that's just a good thing to do. So next one is going to be your ergonomics and fit. We've talked about on the podcast about a hundred times now. I have monster hands, although I've lost some weight and I've gone from a size 15 ring to a size 13 ring. Go me. Um, oh. 
I still have a hard time fitting my hands around a a very compact firearms grip. And no matter what the dude at the store tells you, having a pinky grip is enormously important. I do not understand how people keep trying to get away with not doing that. Shake someone's hand without your pinky. Shake someone's hand with your pinky. pinky. Note the difference between the two and tell me that you don't want that pinky assisting you in a firm uh, grip and easy shot. You you got to do it. If you got small hands, okay, maybe that works. But you guys know a lot of these snub nose revolvers are so small. That's the point. So, yeah, ergonomics, your fit, it's just not there. And then, of course, you have to contend with limited ammo capacity. You're looking at five or six rounds. Uh, you are also looking at needing to carry speed loaders, which are significantly less compact than magazines. Um, I've talked about here before, generally, when I am talking with people about making a purchase for concealed carry, I am recommending that while they don't need an infinite amount of magazines on them at all time, that they have at least double-digit rounds on their person. I try to carry, what's the number I have now? 25. Um, that's a SIG P365XL with one in the pipe, a 12-round magazine that's full, and a second 12-round magazine uh, that is in a holster. That's 25 rounds, and that's pretty, that's pretty middle of the road. If you carry a Glock 19, uh, which lots and lots of people do, and you carry one spare magazine, you keep one in the pipe and you top off, you're looking at 31 rounds. And you can do a lot more than that. Five or six rounds is unacceptable by itself. Having a speed loader is bulky, and a lot of people will go with the best of intentions and not, it won't work for them anyway. So it's one of those, it's like having a Derringer that's got two shots. Okay, that's great. Uh, now what? Um, that's That could be a serious disadvantage in a self-defense situation. Hopefully you never have to use any of that, but you it's you get the, you get the point. Mm -hmm. And that kind of ties into those are the main reasons. But my argument for those things, it's not that the revolver is a non-functioning firearm. It is and has for a long time served reliable. But now, where we are at in the world, there are answers to these questions and issues that go more effectively, just as reliably or very close to it, and significantly less expensively than a lot of the previous mainstream options. Uh, SIG P365, uh, again, I'd probably come back to you with barrel length. I think I think the standard 365 is a 3.1 inch barrel, but I'm not looking at anything in front of me for that. Um, your Ruger American Compact, or I think it's a Security 9, Glock 19, uh, even your Glock 43, your Glock 26, your Smith & Wesson M&P Shield, your M&P 9 Compact, which I think is a grossly underrated firearm, even your Smith & Wesson XD, uh, which I know a lot of people dunk on, but I still think that's a better option than your stun nose revolver is going to be. There are so many good options that are exceptionally inexpensive and those are just the mainstream ones remember the SCCY those still exist and that's not that bad of a firearm although that's double action too now that I think about it um there are options out there for every shooter 
They have better capacity. I'll use the 365 XL again, because that's what I'm using personally right now. We're looking at 25 rounds with a spare magazine. Uh, we have exceptional reliability. Uh, people were talking about drop fires with the 365 when it first came out. I never had one of those, so I can't speak to that. But I can tell you that mine is reliable and safe as can be. It's much easier to shoot. I have very large hands and am able to squeeze my pinky on there. It does take a little bit of work, but I practiced it. Ergonomics are better, and your the concealability is actually going to be better. Mm -hmm. So that is a very thin handgun. You get a uh, Kydex holster with a claw on it, it's game over. It's You barely feel it on you, and no one's going to see it, even if you're just wearing a T-shirt. So your concealability argument, your reliability argument, although, again, revolvers, reliability, those two things are the they're, they're bosom buddies, and I'm not taking that away from them. But the semi-automatic firearms world has caught up as much as a complicated machine relatively and with a very simple machine it's okay it's safe your spares your concealability your reliability your capacity your ergonomics they're all going to be better with something else they just will be now this is not coming after revolvers in general my bedside firearm is a revolver uh, it is a Taurus knockoff of a Colt Python, and I that is my favorite gun I own. Um, but within this context, especially for new shooters and for women, which is where this is so often foisted, it's just laughable when there are so many other good options, inexpensive options, where you can afford training afterwards. Um, it, it, yeah, it's just not the way to go. I did want to give... Uh... I guess the defense, an opportunity to contest. So I gathered uh, two articles, one from springgunsandammo.com and one from athlonoutdoors.com. Just to, you know, and you've already addressed some of these points. So, but I'll just quickly go through it. Um, this one is from the springgunsandammo.com. They say a snub nose revolver, also known as a snubby, which I, don't know if I'll ever call it a snubby. I call you snubby all the time. Yeah, well, that's different. Yeah. It's a compact handgun with a short barrel and small frame. While these types of guns may not be as popular as semi-automatic pistols or large revolvers, they offer several benefits that make them an excellent choice for personal defense. The first one they address is size. They say one of the primary advantages of a snub-nosed revolver is its size. With a shorter barrel and smaller frame, these guns are much easier to carry and conceal than larger firearms. This makes them an ideal choice for people who need a reliable self-defense weapon but don't carry a bulky or heavy gun. Snubby revolvers can be carried in a purse, briefcase, or even a pocket, and they're much less likely to attract attention than a Oh my god. Firearm. Do you know what firearm can be carried in a briefcase? All of them, yeah. literally, my side folding Galil rifle probably could fit in a briefcase. Uh, like, oh, what kind of nonsense is that? Oh, and this was from the um, from uh, Athlon Sports when they were talking about size. Um, they say that a hammerless revolver can be fired from inside a pocket for those Why that would are you want that. I know. <laughs> Just let me read it, and then I'll let you go off. But for those that are carrying concealed, a hammerless snub nose is a great choice for a coat pocket carry. The gun can be fired reliably from inside the pocket because there's no moving slide to get hung up 
while trying to cycle. Likewise, there's no external hammer to catch on material inside a pocket. This allows for a stealthy level of readiness because you can have your hand on the gun in your pocket. But all anyone sees is you simply have your hand in your pocket. A common sight in cold weather. God, um, I'm not certain that's not an AI bot, but yes, if you would like to surreptitiously hold everyone you walk past at gunpoint, um, sure, great idea. <laughs> um, if you want to blow a hole in your clothes for no reason because you're pocket carrying and you're not covering your trigger guard in that pocket, that's great. And I would like to cycle back to the other one where it says a snub nose revolver is easier to conceal than larger handguns. Every handgun is easier to conceal than larger other handguns. That's literally true all the time. I am easier to hide than larger people. What do they think that means? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <sighs> all right. So our next point. Simplicity. Another benefit of a snub-nosed revolver is its simplicity. Unlike semi-automatic pistols, which require a bit of practice and training to use effectively, snubbies are incredibly easy to operate. There are no magazines to load, and the gun can be fired as soon as it's loaded. This makes them an excellent choice for people who are new to firearms or who don't have the time or inclination to train extensively with their weapon. Jesus. Um, well... I don't want to come after him too hard because I do think he's pretty intimately familiar with the concept of simplicity. Um, but <laughs> if if you're pinching a snub-nosed revolver as something that you don't have to train with, I don't know what to, like, don't talk to people about guns anymore. Never do it again. You're dumb and you are dangerously dumb. Also, if loading a magazine is what is gatekeeping you from the world of firearms technology, maybe don't own a gun uh, like that's that's maybe the only time i'll say that but like come on oh we still got more folks uh, let's go reliability which we, we talked about a little bit but snub nose revolvers are also very reliable since they have fewer moving parts than semi-automatic pistols there are fewer things that can go wrong this means that they're less likely to jam or malfunction when you need them the most snubbies are also very durable and they can handle a wide variety of ammunition without any issues okay so as we mentioned technically yes true here's the deal do you want to have a what's a good example i'm okay we're gonna call it just a mid-80s level standard five gear five speed car or do you want a car with all the bells and whistles from today yes uh today's car is more mechanically complex than something from the 80s and to a certain extent, yeah, I'd love a car from the 80s. I drove a 1990 Mazda Miata for years, uh, and that was a, a straight shift, and I miss having a manual transmission car so much. But that's, that's not really the point in this case. You can have something that's more reliable than something else, and both of them are an acceptable level of reliability. Um, that's, yeah, that's claiming that, something is more reliable therefore use it implies that some like there's a implication that's not spoken that the other thing in question is not sufficiently reliable to get the job done 
they will never address that because that's not true. Um, they're just kind of hoping that you'll get past that, or maybe their brains are in there, you know, and, and that's truly what they believe, but there's just no excuse for that. Moving on, we have stopping power. One of the biggest advantages of a snub-nosed revolver is its stopping power. While these guns may not have the same magazine capacity as a semi-automatic pistol, they make up for it with the she with sheer stopping power. The short barrel of a snubby revolver causes the bullet to exit at a much higher velocity, which increases its stopping power. This you makes know, them an ideal choice not... for close-range self-defense situations where you need to stop an attacker quickly. That's, yeah, um... Okay, so that's the opposite of how that works. Uh, having a shorter barrel equals lower muzzle velocity, not higher muzzle velocity. And I'm so rocked by that that I'm going to look that up again in a second to make sure I'm right about that. But I mean, for crying out loud. Um, and who on God's green earth is trying to tell me that a... 38 special round or let's call it a 38 plus p is going to do you in better stead than a nine millimeter uh with uh hollow point or special self-defense ammunition yeah 38 plus p is a great round it rocks i love it it's the difference is is marginal nine millimeter will do just fine there's a reason more and more agencies are switching back to it from 40 which was a waste of a cartridge um, this is like the 1911 stands argument for stopping power in two world wars. It's weak as hell and they know it, but yeah, there's just no excuse for that. I'm going to do this the fun uh, Zoomer way. And uh, I've had the question the the short answer is, yeah, I'm right. And the long answer is, yeah, I'm right. And then the third answer. <laughs> chat gpt i will speed read through so that you can get some reasons on how this works and i did i did check it before i'm i'm sharing it here this this largely checks out so anyway chat gpt our good friend says the muscle velocity of a firearm is generally increased by having a longer barrel this is because a longer barrel allows more time for the expanding gases generated by the burning gun power powder to act on the bullet is a breakdown of how this works extended time for gas expansion when a gun's fired the gunpowder in the cartridge ignites and creates high pressure gases in a longer barrel these gases have more time and space to expand pushing the bullet for a longer duration down the barrel this extended push increases a bullet's velocity by the time it exits the muzzle complete burning of powder in many cases, especially in certain types of ammunition, the powder continues to burn as the bullet travels down the barrel. A longer barrel allows for more of the gunpowder to fully burn before the bullet exits, thus providing more energy to the bullet. Reduced gas escape. Now, this is the big one that when they said it, I was like, yeah, no, because this. Reduced gas escape. In shorter barrels, a significant amount of the high-pressure gas can escape around the bullet before it leaves the barrel, especially if the powder hasn't completely burned. This means less energy is transferred to the bullet. A longer barrel reduces this early escape of gases, ensuring more energy is used to increase the bullet's velocity. Barrel length and ammunition type. This is number four. And the last one, the effect of barrel length on muzzle velocity also depends on the type of ammunition used. Some cartridges are designed to burn quickly and might achieve the most of their potential velocity in a shorter barrel, while others are designed for a longer burn time and thus benefit from a longer barrel. The short answer is 
the once you pull the trigger, a process is started. It's not instantaneous. It's quick, but it's not instantaneous. And having a shorter barrel greatly reduces the amount of time that all of those components have to interact. And that reduced time leads to reduced power throwing it out the barrel. And while, yes, I want a chat GPT to articulate that, uh, if you're a mammal and you have spent more than 18 seconds with a firearm, you know that on instinct because it's obviously true. If it wasn't true, sniper rifles would have one-inch barrels. <laughs> like, come on now. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. So, guy. <laughs> Uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this explanation. Next point, versatility. Snub-nosed re revolvers are very versatile. While they're often used for self-defense, they're also great for target shooting, hunting small game, or even for home defense. With the right ammunition, a snubby can be an effective weapon against larger animals or even an intruder in your home. Okay. I actually think this has a little more merit than some of the other ones, but no more than... Like, there's nothing you just said that a longer-barreled revolver cannot do to a certain extent. Concealed carry is going to get limited once you break past about four inches, as you guys know. But there's certainly nothing on that list that a heavier cartridged semi-automatic firearm can do, cannot do. Hmm. If you get a 1911, a reliable 1911, or a Glock that's chambered at 45 ACP, you can do all of those things plus some. Um, and if you're going to go hunting, the only thing I could see a snub nose revolver being good for, in my opinion, and I don't even think this is the best way to go to answer this particular problem. But if I owned a snub nose revolver, I would carry it with me while I was hiking and it would be full of snake shot for venomous snakes. But if you have venomous snakes, you can generally just go around them. It's not rocket science. So again, there's, Yes, I. they basically just listed reasons why every compact firearm is versatile, and they cross-referenced that with having a heavy enough cartridge to have stopping power against large mammals, and then word vomited that on paper and, and decided to attribute it to snub nose. So mm -hmm. technically, yes, they're correct, but they're not more correct. Like, they're not correct about that to the extent that snub nose is going to beat out other firearms for that purpose. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've still got a couple more I want to go. Oh, boy. Okay, so at this point, I'm kind of shifting over to that other article. We already recovered simplicity and reliability, so I'm not going to address what they say about it here for the most part. Long trigger pool of revolvers, like the snub nose, helps prevent accidental d discharge. And experienced shooters may also benefit from the longer double-action trigger pool. This offers an extra measure of safety with additional protection against accidental discharge. This is the argument that you will hear at gunshots. This is the same idiot <laughs> argument that's led led to a million pound trigger pull in uh, law enforcement officers' sidearms in New York. It's insane. It makes no sense. Okay. If you are following your rules of firearm safety, you're treating every firearm as if it's loaded. You're not pointing it at anything you don't intend to shoot at. The list goes on. Keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to fire. That's the obvious one. Those, those are really the big three for this in particular. But um, if you own a firearm, you know your rules of firearm safety, and you have a holster, 
You should not be carrying your firearm naked in your pocket ever. And I know some of you listeners do. You should not ever be doing that. You are not going to have an accidental discharge somehow magically. And even if you did, having a longer trigger pull would not somehow fix that. The real issue you're going to have it with a new shooter is not going to be accidental discharge in this way. Your issue is going to be not being able to discharge the firearm accurately and safely when you really have to, which is way worse um, <laughs> than, uh, than <laughs> having to deal with a hypothetical problem. Mm-hmm. Moving on, revolvers are not ammo dependent. Another advantage of a revolver is that its operation is not ammo dependent. There's no slide to cycle or feed ramp for the round to travel up and get stuck. It makes no difference if it's a soft point, hollow point, wad cutter, or standard ball. If it's the right caliber, it can be fired in a modern revolver. So, so it, my man is trying to flame the entire concept of blowback, um, <laughs> which it, which is a hotter take than the one I'm bringing to you today. That's all I have. That's It's just really dumb. <laughs> Unless that man owns nothing but revolvers, he is a hypocrite and he's kind of dumb. And he's kind of dumb both ways. So I, I, I feel bad. I should have read the intro for this uh, for this article. So I'll oh, okay. do that now. Maybe if, if it, it provides some additional context or anything. But over the past couple of decades, the ultra compact 38 special snub nose revolver has lost a lot of ground to compact nine millimeter semi-autos for a couple of reasons. Generally speaking, nine millimeter has typically dished out more energy than standard 38 special loads, which is hilarious that the two articles. Yeah, the guy wanted to swing the exact opposite direction. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, the compact semi-autos offer more capacity, especially now with the advent of micro compacts. Even more recently, slide cuts for mounting optics have also given the 9mm semi-auto another advantage, specifically because most, not all, snub-nosed 38s don't offer that capability. Even with all that, there are still a number of reasons why an ultra-compact 38 special revolver is still a viable option, and sometimes it's the only option. Well, okay. So that was the intro, and then he starts getting into the points. Okay, so he's, I, I still assign the title of dumb to him, and if he hears this, he won't. He can come on the podcast and defend his honor, but at least he's got a sane head on his shoulders. Like the argument, the points he's making aren't good, but they're not pulled literally out of thin air, and that's great. <laughs> so... <laughs> I just wanted to give him like that credit though. Like, yeah, yeah, that's definitely. So that's on me. That's on me. That's all right. That's all right. Two more arguments that I want to go over. Uh, This is the last one from the athlonoutdoors.com article. Snub nose revolvers are effective for close defense encounters. Finally, another big advantage of a revolver comes into play with extremely close defensive encounters. If you're at contact distance with an assailant, a revolver will still operate properly if the barrel is pressed into the aggressor. Doing so with the semi-auto will likely push back the slide. This puts the pistol out of battery so that it cannot fire. Okay. Um, technically true, but not near, like... It's not I, I guess, strictly speaking, level. just if you have the semi-auto, just move it slightly. Yeah, Yeah, that's not... That's a thing that exists, yes. 
<laughs> but that's like saying don't drive. I don't know why I'm using car analogies twice as if, as if I know anything about cars, but don't ever drive uh, because sometimes people get in wrecks. Okay. Um, well, like bike bikes are fine. They're more reliable. I was going to say, I was going to take, say, well, you just take public transportation, but not even that safe. If you think about it, <laughs> your bus could have a bomb on it and the bus driver has to drive like over 60 miles per hour or something. Yeah. Or, or everyone goes. Yeah. Oh, so the last defense I want to talk about, and this goes back to a point made by the other article, but I think this is one that should invoke discussion, is they're just cool. Snubnose revolvers also have a very distinctive look and feel. They're often associated with classic detective movies and TV shows, and they have a certain cool factor that other guns don't have. They're also very easy to use in high-pressure situations where you need to quickly draw and fire your weapon. Since they're so simple to operate, you can focus on the task at hand without worrying about complicated gun mechanics. Is that so, it? So, so the question is, are snub-nose revolvers actually cool in 2024? I think so. I'll give him that one. There is a look that you get. Uh, I would eliminate, excuse me, uh, I would eliminate that argument for hammerless because I think they look silly. but. If you break out a hammered snub nose revolver, it's got a look about it that, uh, bro, I love it. It's so good. Very pretty firearms. I like the uh, kind of counterculture here. I like the all black ones really well. Uh, the Taurus, I want to call it an 856. I think it's an 856 snub nose barrel. Um, it's got a I am not going to try to guess at its length, but it's a snub nose revolver. It's got a hammer. And that is, oh, hey, I just found it. Yeah, barrel length is two inches. So your sight radius is 3.7, but it is double single action, which is pretty important to me. And it's got finger grooves, which for a firearm like this, you need. So like, yeah, it's got, it's got fun vibes. It's not quite the detective look. It doesn't have that stainless look that people like so much. But I think it's a very pretty firearm. The Rhino, those who know what I'm talking about, that makes a very cool snub nose. So yeah, the look is good. The back half of that we've already talked about, it's BS. That is verbal filler and dumb. But if you want one as a safe queen that you take to the range sometimes, heck yeah. What I would probably do with a snubby if I ever got one, and I don't think I ever will, would be to get one in 22 LR and just kind of have fun with it that way and have a very pretty handgun where I can practice a tight sight radius, a uh, low margin for error with a forgiving round and use it to get better. That could be potentially fun, but I I do actually want to push back a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, on the issue of if it looks cool or not. Now, I think you can't disagree that it has an iconic look, especially it when does. you think about like, you know, its influence in those old classic detective movies and TV shows and stuff. I feel like the problem is you're not James Cagney. You're not Humphrey Bogart. Be. But I think it's the same thing with... Um, well, actually, I, w I wouldn't say it's the same thing. Um, 
I think the thing I disagree with the argument that they're making is that it has a certain cool factor that other guns don't have. You're telling me that the Colts that Clint Eastwood had, you know, those revolvers, those didn't look cool when he was firing them? That's true. Yeah, I think the best counter to that is the one I, I mentioned earlier. You can get that same level of iconic and scratch that similar itch with a four-inch barrel and have something that's a little more practical as mm -hmm. well. And and don't get me wrong, like I don't think coolness is the most important factor, but we on the gun rack do think it's cool to be cool. Yeah. It is cool to be cool. Uh so like, you know, I don't want to say it's not like an invalid arguments. Like or like I don't know. I just feel like I would look a little silly maybe with a snub nose. You look silly all the time, bro. Oh, yeah. That's why I stick to finger guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just really lean into it. Or, of course, if you own a snub nose revolver and you like it, you know, please don't let Joey or myself dissuade you in, in that. But if you are a fan and you've heard the arguments made for and against it, and you're like, you know what, I feel like I could do a better job defending it, or hey, I feel like you guys overlooked this point. We do encourage you, please give your defense for it because we'd be really interested in um, in reading that. Definitely do that. Joey, thank you for um, coming on for, uh, I guess, in the prosecution's place. Honestly, I, I'd, when we were playing in this episode, I thought about possibly trying to frame it as a whole court debate. Oh, um, that would have been fun. But... Realized it would also be difficult to do a uh, two-person podcast. Um, yeah. I, I think we got a similar a similar vibe anyway. So, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, if you want to give your defense for the snub nose, just let us know. And that has been the gun rack. So, folks, we hope you have fun. Stay safe. Keep warm. And we will yeah. see you at the range. Sonoran Desert Institute is an online school accredited by the DEAC. It is headquartered at 1555 West University Drive in Tempe, Arizona. For more information about how you can craft your firearms future, visit sdi.edu.